0: From Vine Pair's New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter.
1: <laughs> and I'm Joanna Sherino.
2: And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal.
0: Oh, this is the VinePair Pair podcast. I'm back. Wow. I heard you. You know, I got the messages. People were like, when are you coming back? I was like, don't worry. I'm coming. And now I'm here. You
1: almost blew off my headphones, Adam.
0: Thank you. <laughs> in hot. Yeah. Would you I have mean, expected anything else? I mean,. Two is fine, but three is better.
1: Three is better. You
0: know, I mean, for this particular
1: podcast.
0: And I want to say, I listened. Mm hmm. First of all, I mean, I think that probably I'm glad I wasn't here for the chilled reds conversation because, <laughs> like, it's probably the worst take I've ever heard Zach have. <laughs> oh. But also, but also, thank you. I think you saved yourselves for not having me join the pumpkin conversation. hmm. I think you knew what would happen. I think that Zach did this deliberately because he didn't want me to go off. Zach, I appreciate it. Also, Zach, you had some good takes throughout the summer as well. I just, the chill res. we got a lot of mail I saw coming. About I mean, <laughs> hey, you were not alone in thinking that was you, a bad take. You even got like a video message from Paul
1: Brady. Yes.
0: Like, no. People were like really not into that take. They uh, were surprisingly
2: not chill, as it turns out.
0: <laughs> not no, chill. No. And it was funny because then I, like, I, I was, it was, Last weekend, I was at this uh, little French wine bar in uh, my neighborhood called Petit Paulette, and I saw like three people sit down at the table and be like, we're only interested in the chilled reds you have. And I was mm-hmm. like, Zach!
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so hot right now. Yeah,
0: so hot right now. And I was just like, oh, yeah, well, it is a thing. Uh, I personally quite love them. Uh, so anyways, <laughs> so anyways um, how have you guys been?
1: Well, we've been well. You've been well? Yeah.
0: Wow. Better
1: now, though, Adam. Better now. I could use a coffee. Not gonna lie, but uh, but yeah, I feel energized that you're back on the pod. What and... about you,
2: Zach? You know, I've been good. I you know I hate, I hate to do the like let's let's talk about our kids thing too much here, but uh, mm. you know, n- no avoiding it. Uh, we just uh, as of recording, I just uh, took my daughter to daycare for the first time. My son starts wow. kindergarten next week. Like, oh. it's kind of a brave new world for me. Uh, looking forward to little more uh, time to do other stuff besides just parents so uh nice. yeah things are good it was a kind of a chill summer in that regard but uh be yeah, an interesting fall got some travel coming up it's kind of wild cool oh yeah where yep. where are we going uh, I will be down in Napa later in September and uh some other potential travel in uh, November so still still figuring that out but yeah cool
1: nice yeah you
0: know Joanna and I just took our kids to daycare too for the first time we that's good
2: right. yeah that's how we do
0: you know I'm getting the picture updates it's all good. It's emotional. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Anyways, continuing, this is not a parenting podcast, I've yeah. been told. So, favorite things we have been reading recently?
1: Why don't you go first, Adam?
0: I mean, guys- It's I'm, been months. I'm trying to catch up. <laughs> uh, I just, uh, can we, can you give me a minute?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay, I'll jump in. How about the two-part Drinks of Summer series mm-hmm, from like Jake, Jake Emmon? I thought that was so great and so funny. Um, Let's not make the sherry cobbler the drink of the summer anytime soon, shall we? I agree. Yeah. Kind of stupid. But I thought it was pretty interesting, uh, you know, this take that the espresso martini is like transcends the drink of the summer, as does the Aperol Spritz. Like these are these are big drink movements and um, they're going to be around for a while. But I thought this was a really interesting exploration of the history of the drink drink of the summer which feels much more modern than I think it, it really is.
0: I also like wonder how much any of these are drinks of the summer, if that makes sense. Like if if we name them that, but if they ever actually as ubiquitous across bars yes. as people sort of think or say they are, if that makes sense. Well,
1: I think this really only became a thing kind of in like 2015 and on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think even just more recently, have we been saying things are the drink of the summer? And mostly on this podcast, right? <laughs>
2: That's true. That's true, <laughs> Zach. Well, you know, I will say that, of course, I had to read Hannah's piece about chilled reds because, yes. like, uh-huh. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah.
1: uh-huh.
2: it's always important to hear. I mean, not that I don't hear from the opposing side. i not opposing side. It's not a conflict it's from from people with different perspectives. I certainly heard from Joanna with a different perspective, as mentioned are many listeners who uh, wrote or yes, videoed in to tell me I was wrong. <laughs> but you know, it's also interesting to read uh you know the her piece about how US drinkers learned to love chilled red wines and and I think that like all takes mine was perhaps a little uh f- little <laughs> little pointed for the purposes of a podcast and maybe a little less nuanced than my true like deep down in my heart belief. But I do think uh, it it was interesting to sort that of sounds see like a how <laughs> interconnected the chill the red movement is with people who really came into wine through natural wine, and mm-hmm. how those two obviously very connected but not exactly identical trends reinforced a lot of things about one another. And that's that's just you know was interesting perspective to have. Yeah, yeah. So, so I will say my
0: favorite uh, article that came you guys talked about, it, but the my open bar piece. Yeah, yeah, uh, was like probably one of my favorite pieces I read all summer, just because I rem- I was coming up in the music business at the tail end of it. But I remember it like so clearly. And that it, it's weird. Actually I shared it on Instagram and it I had a lot of people from my in, my music industry time like messaging me being like, oh my God, like I remember this too. Mm-hmm. Like this is so fucking crazy. And like, and then I had a friend who was like, yeah, I was telling like colleagues about this, like Gen Z colleagues, like there's no way that existed. Mm -hmm. I didn't believe there's any (laughs) way that a My Open Bar ever existed. And I was like, "Eh, it existed. Yeah. There were these things where you would like show up at these events and the alcohol was free. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: It was a different time. It was a different time. Mm -hmm.
0: It was a different time, ladies and germs. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so today's topic. So uh, throughout the summer, uh, I did some traveling. Where did you go? So, Greece was the primary uh, destination, which we'll talk about at some other time when we have another gripe that I need to to <laughs> discuss on a different <laughs> podcast episode. Uh, but I also was very lucky and got to go upstate for one weekend, and we went to uh, a hotel called the DeBruce.
1: Livingston Manor. In
0: Livingston Manor. Yeah. And I generally really don't like the idea of, like, all-inclusive, if you will. Like, sure. Like... And I, I'm not saying that de Bruce is an all-inclusive. It's not. But the idea of, like, you travel somewhere and then you spend all of your time eating at the property. Like, I like to go, uh, okay. like, to a, a hotel and then we travel around the area. And, like, we go to this destination, restaurant, or that cool place, or that bar. And the de Bruce has really set themselves up as a place where, like, you go and you stay at, on the property and eat at their restaurants. And if everyone was doing it the way they were, I think it works fabulously. So I think, like, what you do is the food is included in your fr- in the price of your evening. Okay. Of your stay. And it's, I think, like, it covers breakfast and dinner. And so, like, your first evening on a Friday night is, like, an a la carte menu, but really interesting stuff. They're doing trout, obviously, because they're on a river that has, fr- you know, fresh trout and fishing. They're doing really great oysters, stuff like that. You pay for your alcohol okay and then your breakfast is included the next morning and then on Saturday night you do a tasting menu and so the chef like they brought in an amazing chef and it's like a a nine course tasting menu um and then the next morning is breakfast again and it was one of the best ways I felt to experience the actual cuisine of that area Mm -hmm. they're working with local farms etc and it was also pretty amazing. Naomi, and I was saying it was also amazing because now, being in the situation that the three of us are in, we were able to basically put Esty to sleep in our sure. hotel room, bring the baby monitor mm-hmm. very, you know, inconspicuously to the table, and have dinner. Right. And it was really awesome. And I kind of feel like this is something that. Should be emulated by more places. It's something that I haven't seen as much. Like obviously, there are properties that have great ho- that have great restaurants, but not with this kind of concept. And mm. I also felt like what was amazing about it was because the prices worked into the room, they are able to employ local people. okay. They're able to bring them along in their culinary professions. So like I met like the the junior psalm on the floor. Uh, so the beverage director, he was awesome. He was, like, from Philly, a Philly guy that, you know, now runs the program at the DeBruce and a bunch of their other hotels. But the other people on the floor were all locals living in Manor. And just for anyone that's unaware of that part of New York State, it is a very depressed economical economic area, yeah. right? It And they are working with locals, bringing them into hospitality, and giving them futures and careers. And I think because these prices are fixed in, they're able to pay them – living wages, etc. Yeah. they give back to the community, all these different things that to me was actually the only way I think you can pull this kind of thing off in these places, right? Cuz the other thing we talked about a bunch on this podcast is that you go to these locations like the Western Catskills and the food service etc is pretty horrible because it's a restaurant tour or a hotelier trying to do something that feels like it's in New York City in a place New Yorkers want a vacation for a weekend and only actually want to go like nine weekends a year because then it's too cold, right? This seemed like the only way you can sustainably do that in a place like this where all the costs are baked in so they know they're able to afford the employee's that live there, right? And they're able to help the employees progress and develop in their careers.
1: So it's like a similar concept, because like you said, during especially over the course of the pandemic, we saw a lot of people flee the city yes. to go to places like Livingston Manor to open up these new shops and restaurants and things like that, but the DeBruce the way that they've done it mm-hmm. they have more resources and to execute it better.
0: That's what it felt like, yes. Okay. And I was very impressed. Mm-hmm. I was like wow this this is what i want from all inclusive because mostly all inclusive sucks and that's most what we're going to mostly talk about today i think <laughs> all inclusive for the most part is horrible it's like this scam where you eat french fries and burgers and you could be anywhere in the world and it doesn't matter if you're in costa rica or greece or you know the bahamas if you're in an all inclusive they all feel very similar. Like, nothing is that adventurous. No one is trying to create this, like, true culinary experience. And I feel like there is a market for places like the De Bruce to exist.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think making that distinction, though, is really important and yeah. an important part of this conversation because I think what most people think of when they hear all-inclusive is a very specific thing. Yes, It's like you're vacationing, it's... You know, you're going with a potentially going with a family or you're going to a place that is like no fam, you know, right. no children allowed. And you're going for, you know, the pool, the beach, whatever the service, mm-hmm. the drink, the drinks, probably the tropical drinks and then food but but i think people who go to those probably have lower culinary expectations and i think that's why this sounds so different yeah right like i think there are probably and you said it like far fewer places that approach all-inclusives like the de bruce's with kind of food and beverage in mind
0: it's just it was yeah I, i feel like it's it's something that you know if you nail it it is something that Causes you to want to travel for it, right? And I have seen so few places nail it.
1: But you also mentioned that you did a different all-inclusive. Yes, that was a very different vibe. It was horrible. Well, <laughs> but wasn't the vibe of that really meant to be like we left? Just oh, I thought like unlimited pina coladas kind yeah, of thing. We, we left. Really that bad?
0: We checked out early.
1: Oh,
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was the night before our anniversary, our wedding anniversary in Greece, and. I was like Naomi. I'm pulling out. I'm pulling out the credit card, and we're leaving. And we left. It was horrible. Even the place that was supposed to be like their nice like seafood restaurant was horrible. Okay. And I was just like, why did we do this? And then we were like, never again.
1: I've never done an all inclusive. Zach, have you?
2: No, I haven't. And I think that one of the interesting things to me here, a, a piece of this, and I don't think yep. or an element of this that you guys haven't mentioned yet is. To me, one of the things that this also kind of uh, makes me think of is like, you know, going on a cruise ship, right? Yes. Same yeah. kind of vibe, right? Where you're you know, even more kind of confined there in a lot of cases. You're eating the majority of your meals on board. You're kind of in that setting. And I know that you've, I've seen, you know, I get the PR pitches, stuff like that. You know, some cruise lines, some specific boats, some, you know, trips, etc., are built around or are attempting to build themselves around this idea of like, okay, it's a cruise ship, but like the food's actually going to be good. And I don't know. I mean, I haven't I don't have firsthand experience. It's possible that they do deliver on that. But I think it's really interesting to hear about your experience, um, Adam, or your, your experiences, because I think that, you know, so much of it is about guest expectation mm-hmm. in a way. And I think, you know, it seems like at the Bruce, the expectation is really met and is high that that a big part of why you are choosing to go there is that the culinary experience is a big part of why you would go to that part of the Western Catskills. Like that's your, that's what you want out of the experience. And it's awesome that they deliver on it. I think the all inclusive in Greece or in Mexico or in the Caribbean or wherever. Yeah. It is really more about like people just want to like chill on the beach and they don't want to have to yeah. think about where they're going to eat and drink. It's just like there for them.
0: But why do you think that so few of places like the De Bruce exist? Yeah. Like, or why I don't know, or we don't really know about them in the same way.
1: Well, do they need to do, like, the? did the De Bruce always exist with that yes. program? It did. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: At least, I think, always with the initial tasting menu, dinner included. Yes.
1: Interesting. Yes.
2: Adam, do you have an idea? How long do people average, like, what's the average stay length of the De Bruce?
0: Probably two nights, probably a I was going to say weekend, yeah.
1: Weekend, yeah.
0: Probably a yeah. And they only do the tasting menu on Saturday nights. I think that you can do versions of it the rest of the week but like there's like a smaller version they will do but the tasting menu experience is only saturday night
2: because i think one of the differences is that that's a place that is a plausible weekend getaway for a person in the tri-state area but a lot of the other all-inclusives which are much more like tropical or beachy destinations are more of like you're going for a week or more yeah and so i don't think you could i think you would even perhaps well maybe not you but most people would find the that kind of experience a little fatiguing after a while yeah here is an elaborate meal, even if it's not a big tasting menu. It's just like, that's the kind of thing that, yeah, makes for like a perfect weekend getaway. And I would, I would be curious to know again, listeners, you are out there throughout the country and the world, really. And you can let us know if there are places akin to this, wherever you are, you know, nearish to bigger cities or whatever, because I do think that like, it makes me think of, um, which is now a very like sadly uh, place in, of ill repute, um, but Willow's Inn here in the Pacific Northwest, oh, yeah, which sure. was like a very highly regarded restaurant. And like, you know, you basically had to stay there to be able to eat there. And it was really a one night thing. It wasn't a multiple night stay, it was much smaller, I think, than the De Bruce. And there was, you know, Lummi Island, where it was is very small, and not a lot to do besides just be there eating, essentially. But that same concept of like this sort of all inclusive experience of eating, you know, drinking, then going to bed (laughs) on the property. I mean, it definitely is a nice thing to think about, in terms of like, you know, making your outing more, safer in a you know like a not drinking and driving sense and also just like less stressful in a way right like it's all kind of happening in a confined space which can be nice i just think that yeah maybe sets like an upper limit on how long any individual guest or set of guests are going to want to stay on a property it's like two nights yeah max maybe
0: yeah i mean i think that the, the, the nice thing about it is you truly are sort of like you're brought into their world in a very different way and i think that that when executed well is awesome probably when executed poorly it's horrible yeah like why would I be here for the entire weekend Um, but I think when executed well it it leaves a much stronger impression on your overall experience right Mm -hmm. like I wound up taking away from that like wow this is one of the more memorable dining experiences I've had in the past year and a lot of that just is from the casual cocktails that we had had on the porch at four prior to the dinner, right. That wasn't even part of the dinner. Right. But like, it's all putting you in the mood and in the moment of then finally going there to have this meal. And I think that it's, it, it sort of like nails the idea of also the tasting menu in a very different way that like, it was the, like it was the same, but not stuffy. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I feel like it's, it's actually an experience. A lot of people crave is this, Really beautiful foody experience with great wines, but potentially not like walking into 11 Madison Park wearing a jack, like a sport coat and dress shoes and feeling like it's going to be very stuffy and hovering. But the food is still executed at like the highest level.
1: Yeah. Well, it feels like even just in the context of, you know, Zach mentioning Willows Inn, it seems like there has to be a sweet spot, yeah. right? Like it can't be that kind of like weirdly insular experience and it's yeah too stuffy but i think it sounds like they kind of nailed the right balance of it being you know casual i I think i think a big part is also a big you know drawing point is that it's the price of the tasting menu is included so you don't have to kind of fret over that and how expensive it is as a diner because it's taken care of obviously you're paying for it but it's taken care of already um but, yeah, it seems like they kind of struck a nice balance between between those two things.
2: Yeah. Adam, I also wonder, one of the things that occurred to me a little bit when you were talking about your, your experiences, one of the hard things about a really great meal in some cases, like whether it's at a place like, you know, EMP or just a great restaurant anywhere, is it's almost like you finish the meal and you leave the restaurant and that, like, transition can be very mm-hmm. jarring. Um You know, especially if it's in your home city and you're like, oh, I got to go home and like uh, take out the trash or like, you know, um, do whatever else I have to do. Or even if you're on vacation, but it's more of a like, "Okay, now I got to get back to my hotel or my Mm -hmm. Airbnb or whatever I'm doing. And there probably is something that adds to the whole, you know, kind of the experience in a in a very important and very fundamental way where you're just like kind of like whenever you're done eating or whenever the meal is over you're like oh okay well we can kind of like make our way back to the room or we can chill out you know wherever i don't know the space but like mm-hmm. i'm sure there's you know lobby or an outdoor area or whatever like it it's like it kind of made me think of like what would be like like an optimal like almost like a the best like wedding meal ever right like if you're mm-hmm. on a like uh at a destination wedding or something where like it all kind of happens in one space and you're like don't have to kind of have that rough transition back into like your normal life quite so fast yeah yeah
1: well it's also nice because if i i went to livingston manor a few years ago mm-hmm. and if i remember correctly there's really nothing around the debris <laughs> no <laughs> like, it's like it's like actually it's very outside isolated of the town. it's very isolated yeah and, and so it's nice that everything that they have there is good enough for you to want to stay on the property because you're really not going anywhere after
0: yeah yeah <laughs> Basically, this was a general, like, podcast episode for me to say, like, hey, if anyone knows of other places like this, (laughs) uh, let me know because it was magical. And uh, if you haven't been there, you absolutely should.
1: But they have a whole, like, hotel group, right?
0: Yeah, the hotel groups Foster and Supply, but this is the only thing like this they do. And I would say the rest of their hotels, because I've stated a few, I like the group, but Mm -hmm. are, like, much closer to other stuff to do. Yeah. This is their, like, yes, this is remote, and their concept is, like very culinary we take care of you drink and wine forward yeah and uh i thought that was great and Mm -hmm. like again they're bringing in top talent from like philly and you know the city and things like that to work in the kitchen but then again the people who are in the kitchen with the chef are all from the area and the rest of the staff on the floor is from the area and i just don't remember seeing that at other places up there that are considered higher end um, it's much more like, oh, yeah, we brought this chef up from the city, and, like, it's all teams from the city. Like, I think Innis is one that comes to mind, right? Would think it's a ton of press by um, lots of, like, food and travel writers. And it's, yeah, it's the whole team that, like, did Freemans and stuff like that. And right. It's a very different vibe, and I never got the sense that it was, like, a lot of locals working there, and this really has that. And mm-hmm. uh, I think is again, very nice, and everyone is really into it. So, Anyways, I think we should have more places like this.
2: <laughs> Wait, Adam, can I ask you one more question yeah. before we wrap up? Uh-huh. Do you think it's the kind of place that would have been – like, obviously, it sounds like, you know, you and Naomi had a lovely time, and obviously, you know, you being able to have Esty with you and have the monitor and stuff is a big win. But let's say you were not trying to bring a child with you. Is it the kind of place that you would think would be also, like, a really cool experience with, like, a group of friends? Oh, it
0: would be dope if you you would, like, all take over. Yeah, I was thinking about that for, like, someone's birthday is, like, everyone goes up for the weekend, and it's kind of – you know, you've planned out six of you are up there – and you know that your meals are covered right mm-hmm. so you're just sort of like yeah okay you have to figure out lunch but everyone's staying there and then you can come down to dinner and i just i thought
2: it yes it'd be perfect
1: mm-hmm.
2: so we're going for joanna's birthday is what you're saying <laughs> Totally,
1: Sure.
2: Totally. <laughs> the baby monitors will be everywhere exactly just out just out in full force um
0: cool guys well uh It's a nice, like, very. This felt like a nice transition episode back into the world. I'm Mm -hmm. sure we'll get real soon. Um, You know, more infighting.
1: Hopefully, spicier next week. Too spicier. Mm -hmm.
0: way spicier. But uh, Joanna, I mean, we're off to Ann Arbor this weekend.
1: We are. We have some business travel.
0: Yeah, we're shooting. We're shooting a new show, not not podcast,
1: podcast.
2: uh,
0: but a show for the for the for the publication called Tail I
2: hear that uh, the oh. show isn't the only thing you guys will be shooting what you're not doing shots <laughs> oh no, no lemon teeters got... <laughs> but
0: anyways mm-hmm. with that I will talk to you both on Monday and everybody see you then
1: have a great weekend
2: sounds
0: great thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast the flagship podcast of the Vine Pair Podcast Network if you love listening to this show or even if you don't but I really hope that you do as much as we really do love making it, then please drop us a review or a rating wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. If you are listening to this on a device right now through an app, however you got this audio, please drop a review. It really helps everyone else discover the show. And now for some totally awesome credits. So... The Vine Pair Podcast is recorded in our New York City headquarters and in Seattle, Washington in Zach Chabal's basement. It is recorded by Zach, mastered, and produced by Zach. He loves all the credit. Keep giving it to him. Drop his name in the reviews. He's going to love hearing how much you love him. It is also recorded in New York City by our tastings Director, Keith Beavers, who is the Managing Director of the entire VinePair Pair Podcast Network.